And good morning. Welcome to On Track Season 3, Episode 9. The actual 100th podcast for the On Track Podcast. I am here in spacious podcast studio A. And it's very spacious today because we have a pretty limited crowd in here. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Eric Ritchie, the Chief Operating Officer. Um, Herb is not able to be on the podcast today and asked uh, Pat Dubay and I, our Chief Estimator, who's sitting across from me, if we could take it over. How you doing, Pat? How you doing, Eric? I'm doing pretty good. good. Doing pretty good, Pat. Good, yeah. Uh, so Herb's not going to be here. It's just he left us alone today. He left us alone. That's not a good thing. Unattended. Yeah. He may regret that. He knows what happens when we're left unattended. Oh, well. But he seemed to have trust in us. Well, I, I think he had trust in you, Pat, quite frankly, and, and turned it over. So, I, I do feel special. The hundredth episode, so I do feel. Uh, well, so do right I. Now. And uh, when Herb sent the outline, actually, I didn't see that at first, and it was later last night that I looked at it and said, "Oh, the hundredth episode." So, kind of a big deal. Um, yeah, there you go. Yes. The other person that I didn't mention who's in the room is our uh, IT specialist. IT ninja, IT Jedi, as I like to call him, Jason Light. Um, you're not going to hear Jason talk on this podcast. He has declined to speak, which uh, is kind of Jason's MO. He likes to be behind the scenes. So, But thankfully, he's here really, truly keeping us straight and uh, appreciate your help, Jason. So a little bit about uh, today's podcast. Uh, today is Wednesday, uh, March 2nd, actually. We're into March now, and uh, which is unbelievable. The season is uh, very quickly creeping up on us. Frankly, the season hasn't slowed down too much for that matter. Uh, but in this podcast, I think we've got a decent one for you, and Pat and I are going to try and keep it on point. Uh, we're going to talk about some project awards. Our main topic is going to be workload, prospects, and the art of estimating, um, which many of us uh, have referred to estimating as an art. Uh, it's definitely not an easy task, and uh, is something that when you've done it for a long time like Pat has, uh, you get a comfort level, but still... There's an art to it, uh, and certainly you have to have a certain mentality and state of mind when you're looking at estimates and be able to stay steady and look at things. So we'll get into that a little bit. Some shout-outs, of course. Uh, Price is Right, uh, which this week is the miles and gallons on a D6XE with 1,258 hours on it, which is a dozer that we bought last year. We'll get into that. Uh, a little bit of history from Herb. He's going to go through some uh, items in his grandfather, Herb E. Sargent's journals. Uh, to talk to you folks about, which I think is a great little uh, snippet of history, and uh, especially for the 100th podcast, and we're also heading towards our 100th anniversary here in a few years' time, so um, I think it's good to be getting some history out there. Announcements, which I'm sad to say we don't have any. Can I get some wah-wah music on that? You got any of that? No, we're lacking. All right, oh, we'll keep going. Uh, Jason had an epic fail, so we'll keep moving on. Uh, so rolling into... Uh, <laughs> that's going to be our overall podcast review right there. Uh, so rolling into project uh, low bids and awards. Pat, uh, what do you got? What's on, the, what's on the table? So yeah, these projects we've been working on the last few weeks, but uh, we uh, received uh, a verbal award on a project at UMaine at the Holmes Hall. Uh, site work project over there at the University of Maine. We're going to be working with uh, Wright Ryan, a construction manager out of Portland area. Uh, that's going to be starting this spring. Uh, Ashland Bear Island landfill down in Virginia. We just uh, received the contract on those. We bid that a few weeks back, but we just uh, continued and uh, finished some negotiations with them. Yep. So that project looks like it's going to go. Really, really great in the negotiations. That thing landed schedule-wise that was beneficial to us and our overall schedule in the Mid-Atlantic. So uh, very, very happy with yeah, that. Yeah, did. We were able to push out the start date on that to help our guys in Mid-Atlantic get, get started with some of the projects because they're pretty pretty busy down there right now. That so. they are. 
Uh, and then Nexamp, the old uh, solar projects, which I love doing myself. Uh, they're getting <laughs> so much fun. Uh, we've received, uh, I think, three more projects with Nexamp, uh, Orland, Searsport, and Madison. So um, they just keep coming our way, and we keep knocking them out. And our guys in the field are doing a great job on those uh, solar projects. So good to see that. Yeah, that world doesn't uh, appear to be slowing down anytime soon. And uh, I know, Pat, you, you joke, but it's been a bear for you with the sheer volume of bids and the sheer volume of companies that are out there coming at us with work. Um, but we are being selective. You're putting pricing out there and we'll bat things away as it comes towards us or bring it in as it comes towards yep, us. Exactly. Yep. So we're, uh, there's no shortage of them right now. That's, uh, and they're starting to get a little bigger too. So yeah, that was pretty interesting. You and I bumped into each other in the hallway the other day and mentioned some of the size of these things. They're growing from 20, 30 acres up into the hundreds of acres, uh, type of sites that we're starting to see. Yep. And they're starting to, uh, develop down in the Virginia area too. So we've, we've priced a couple down there in the last couple of weeks. Yep. So, uh, but they do take a long time to get awarded some of these projects. Uh, we'll touch on that a little later, but uh, it, it takes a couple iterations sometimes to get uh, to get these final. Yeah, and I, I think that's something that's really hard for a lot of people out there to probably both understand and appreciate, um, both from your perspective, from estimating them from an operational standpoint, and kind of wondering what you got on your plate. Uh, a lot of these things, we'll talk about it later, as you said, but they hang out there for a long period of time, and uh, it can cause a little bit of angst and also can cause a little bit of just concern in general. Yep, so, exactly. so um, and then the last project, uh, the Waterville Col- Colby college, we did a, a roundabout down there last year. We submitted pricing last week on that. So we're, uh, we're expecting to do that project as well, yep. uh, for, for Colby college. So, uh, and I believe that project, uh, that's part of a three-year deal that we had with Colby college. And, uh, that deal is nearing the end, uh, in terms of doing some cost plus work for them and a handful of projects, but we're going to be happy to be down there doing another job this summer. Yeah, roundabouts are very difficult, actually. Challenging. Very tough projects, uh, grading-wise. Uh, they're just not easy to do. Yep. Uh, so uh, it's, I think uh, Colby College appreciates our effort down there, especially last summer, what we did for them. So uh, Absolutely. I think they're going to keep throwing work our way. And I think it was great that even, uh, you know, once we got on site, Scott Blanchard, Aaron Layton were down there last year, Tim LePage. Uh, there was a lot of value engineering that happened even after we got the job. I know Scott made some great changes that allowed the job to be accelerated from a schedule standpoint and uh, still provided Colby with a good, safe, quality product at the end of the day. So it's good to be able to work through those things with an owner and they're looking for cost savings as well. And if we can do things to help ourselves out. So, so that's uh, it on the low bids and awards. That is for now. Yep. That is for now. We're still working on Norwich Walk. Everybody wants to talk about that. Uh, We're still dealing with waste management on that and. We hope they wrap that up in the next week or two. Yep. But, uh, I, I believe we're going to end up doing that project. It's just a matter of getting final negotiations with them. Yep. So, yep. And uh, we're waiting to hear or see a contract in Rochester, too, I believe, for the cell 15A down there. That's correct. We did get word on that. I forgot about that. Yep. yep. That's, so that's that'll, a good deal. that'll be a good addition to uh, New Hampshire. So thank you, Pat, for that. And uh, we're going to roll right into our main topic here, um, which is really surrounding your world, Pat, at the end of the day. Um, so a little bit of a, a discussion about our backlog. I think a lot of people like to know where we're at at the moment. Um, as of, uh, the end of last week and, you know, encompassing the projects Pat's talking about right now, we're sitting at a backlog of just under 225 million. Um, that's including some low bid, not awarding projects that we're expecting to see come in. Our backlogs hovering right around 200 million for jobs that we, uh, that we know for a fact we have contracts on and they're on the books. Um, so to put that into perspective, this time last year, I believe we were hovering in the 150 million uh, range, roughly. Yeah. Pretty incredible, it, actually. I mean, obviously the big 
big hit there was the brewery i395 project but uh we have a lot more just besides that yep so. absolutely and you know we're still looking for some work to round out the fall in some places uh we need some work in new hampshire uh, but we're shaping up really really well everywhere um a couple big uh, projects that you mentioned that uh, that hit us you know the brewer 395 that's an 85 million dollar project but that goes out over the course of three years so that 225 million dollar potential backlog isn't anything that we have to put into place this year it's not what we're shooting to put into place uh this year we're we're uh, hoping to be around 160 million or so in terms of backlog uh, that actually gets put into place but a few uh, additions to each region you know each region's shaping up pretty nice the uh, bangor region you mentioned adding the um uh, homes hotel project uh, they've seen a couple other projects come their way and you know i think jim has uh, pretty well rounded his plate out for volume compared to what he did last year he's already sitting a little bit above that right now so yeah jim's a busy boy right now yep. you know, we're turning away stuff actually for him so it's it's yep. pretty crazy to see where the market's still at uh northern maine uh sitting at a big backlog right now in northern maine right up around 95 million again the uh, 395 project certainly is the biggest portion of that it's 75 percent of it but uh, going to be a very busy year in uh, northern maine as well and we're still talking about some projects to add there yeah, I mean, realistically, it's just it just turned March, right? Yesterday, yeah. so uh, this I know this is amazing. The backlog that we have right now, it's a great feeling, um, especially in the estimating department. Because when I came here in 2013, we had probably less than 20 million in backlog. Yeah, and, starting uh, the season out. Starting the season out. It was it was rugged. Yeah, it was a rugged year, and uh, it's just great to see where we're at right now. So, yeah, and you know, bidding this time of year is not any fun when you need when you have a low backlog. So it's just. It's a big grind. Uh, it's depressing. <laughs> yeah, we you get into what we call commonly referred to as the bloodbath, which uh, you know all contractors are in that same boat, and you're swinging for the fences and getting cheaper than you want to get, and uh, oftentimes putting yourself in kind of an uncomfortable place out of necessity because you have exactly. to take work. Yep. And uh, thankfully, we're not in that place. Uh, Southern Maine, uh, we've seen a shift certainly in the workload. There's still a big workload in Southern Maine, but a lot of that has shifted up north in terms of some of the resources and things. Um, still sitting down there, Doug and gang, obviously the two big back cove, uh, projects are still ongoing and being put into place. Uh, we're seeing some improvements on our, uh, on our schedule and a few things down at back cove South and back cove West. They're finally getting into, uh, some better soil conditions, getting into some ledge with the sheeting and all that. And we're starting to see some momentum, uh, pick up there. Some great planning by Adam Tina and Alex Hardy and the whole team down there. So, um, one thing that we did do, we slid the uh, Waterville Taxiway project uh, into Southern Maine just to try and balance workloads out. Uh, so when you look at our chart of, or our state chart of regions, uh, the lines get blurred a little bit at well, times. Well, it seems to be coming further north, no doubt. I mean, yeah. that's, and that all has to do with the uh, prospects in, in front of us right now. Yep. So. And, uh, you know, Doug's got some capacity down there to manage, so it made sense to move the line a little bit north and turn those over to him. And uh, Waterville Colby College will fall under that Southern Maine region as well. Uh, New Hampshire region, got some great work going with, uh, some solar work right now. Uh, we got an airport job to start out in Sanford, uh, going back to Sanford for, uh, the West side village project, Bridgeton. Um, you want to touch on Bridgeton, Pat? And we, we just looked at another little bit of pipe work out there. We did, uh, actually helped, uh, John, uh, with some, uh, change orders up at the storm drain work. So we're going to get, a, it looks like we're going to negotiate that if we have, we probably already have that change order. And then we bid hard bid a waterline project uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it looks like that's going to proceed, even though it was 
well over the engineer's estimate. Yep. Uh, but uh, I think they're going to find some ways to, to get it done. So. so an interesting thing occurred, and I want to touch upon this when we, we bid that uh, waterline project. Um, you folks send bid results out, and uh, we typically see within no time of sending bid results out when we're a little bitter, there's 15... <laughs> Or 15 to 50 emails that come through in the company right. saying, great job, way yeah. to go, all that. So this bid result went out for $600,000, $650,000 worth of work in Bridgeton. And what did you hear? So Dave Prevalon, I do want to give a shout out to Dave. Absolutely. Okay. He's feeling a little unappreciated right now. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But Understood. <laughs> Dave's fine. He's been doing this a long time. <laughs> That's a Dave move. <laughs> but so he didn't receive any emails back that congratulations or anything like that, which he usually gets at least a dozen of those. So it was kind of interesting. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't know if it's a sign of the times or what it is, but it was... Uh, was pretty interesting. Well, well aware people out there busy, but I'm also well aware, Pat, and we talk about this a lot uh, um, as we pick work up on the type of backlog we have that sometimes folks are questioning uh, how much more work do we need. And the fact is we evaluate that constantly. Um, and we'll get into this a little bit later too, but this project really has strategically, it ties in with what we've been trying to do the last couple of years. It's an addition to a piece of work that we already have. The resources are there. And frankly, we've seen some issues even on the Bridgeton project, there's been some existing contracts going on while we're trying to complete our work out there. Yeah. And I think having this piece of work not only adds to the New Hampshire region and that job, but it also allows us to manage the contract a lot more effectively. Oh, yeah. I mean, the last thing you want is somebody coming out, another contract coming on your project as well. Yeah. So uh, it just made sense for us. We can start later on this summer. So it, it fits in pretty well. Yeah. So it, those kind of decisions are what we're, we're trying to trying to do right now to make good decisions, wide deci- wise decisions on what we're going to build and how it fits in what we got in front of us. Absolutely. And I do want to pause right there and say, if Dave Preble is listening, we appreciate you, Dave, and I appreciate (laughs) you. Um, Know you had a good bid there, and uh, sometimes we see some gaps in bid results, but it was over budget. You had everything... Everything looks good. We're not concerned there. Just uh, He heard I was going to be on the podcast today, so he came to my room before and said, can you give me a shout-out today? Yeah, so yeah. So I there's, told him to get the hell out of my room. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's a Preble shout-out right there, and as I often say, that's a Dave move, Dave, to him. But he's uh, uh, he and Mike both and Pat working diligently. We've got James McCarthy in here working with him as well, and uh, very happy to pick the project up, quite frankly. So uh, skipping away from the New Hampshire region for a moment, chatting about backlog, backlog the Mid-Atlantic region. Let's pause on the Mid-Atlantic for a moment. Had a big January, pulled in about $27 million worth of work in January. And uh, we're kind of spread out from uh, Charles County, Maryland, down to Asheville, North Carolina, and points in between. Um, but why don't you just touch upon some of what we picked up there for work, Pat? And so, so the first one was the Charles County uh, project in Maryland. That's uh, near Waldorf. Uh, we did a project actually when I was there in 2008, 2007, 2008. So uh, we know the site well. It's a pretty good size landfill project. It was originally bid around $12 million. We negotiated that down to around ten. Um, they made some concessions uh, as far as the dirt goes, staying on site. Some big big deals for us. Yep. Uh, Aaron and Justin and uh, Travis did a great job negotiating that, getting that in. Uh, so that's going to be that's a big should be a big win for us down there. I hope. Yeah. Um, uh, the second project is the Asheville project, uh, Buncombe. We did a project there years ago as well. Uh, know the people there, great people to work with. Uh, nice nice looking landfill project. So that was around twelve and a half. Uh, so those two are two big shots in the arm for Justin and that crew down there. Yep. So. And we're uh, we're being extremely selective, uh, well, everywhere right now, but in the Mid-Atlantic region especially. Um, we got a pretty good full plate there right now, and 
we got to be careful. They're doing a great job down there of hiring some new folks and uh, partnering up with some local contractors down in Asheville or a local contractor to help us out with some work down there. Uh, just looking at things differently, trying to supplement our forces in, in different ways and, and manage differently. Yeah, we, and I guess we could probably touch on this right now. I mean, we're, we're passing on some things down there right now, which we kind of have to because of the workload we have in front of us. And it's pretty tough to do when you have these nice projects that there's actually two public landfill projects that are on the street right now that we just we just can't bid them because they want to start them right away. Yep. So we try to talk to them to see if they can push the start dates, but they they just can't do it. They need the S space. Yeah, and they're in places we've worked before. And um, that project selectivity, um, and like you said, Pat, we'll segue into the next part of the conversation. Uh, project selectivity and uh, do we bid everything? And right. the, the answer to that is no, we don't bid everything. Um, if you could see a bid calendar that Pat does, he puts on basically all the bids that uh, we would typically uh, pursue. And I would tell you right now that probably 90% of those bids are crossed out on the calendar. Um, we are being extremely selective. You mentioned uh, down in the mid-Atlantic. It's a real difficulty to sit at the table in March, uh, very early in the year, and seeing some of the type of work, good work that we're seeing coming out, to have the discipline to say no. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, this is something fairly new for me, to be honest with you. Yep. Um, we've Years ago, we always kind of said, we'll find a way to do it. Yep. And, you know, we, we did that for a long time. And then a few years back, we, we kept doing that and we got, kind of got in trouble. Yep. We, uh, we actually got ourselves a little thin and uh, we shouldn't have bid some of that work. So I think we've learned from our mistakes and uh, I think we're heading in the right direction. It's such a balancing act, though. I mean, it's uh, and I can tell you, Pat, I mean, we sit at the bid table every Friday and look at these things. We talk about it a lot. Um, we talk about the discipline to say no, and it's a struggle for me, man. I got to tell you, um, sure. it, it's, as you said, it's kind of foreign to me to say no at times. Um, and there's an inherent, well, I think you're a lot like me. You don't like to lose and you don't like to give up. And, uh, it, it can be a struggle at times to sit there, but thankfully when we're sitting there, it's you, me, it's the estimating team. Herb gets involved as well. And I think the right conversations happen when we're all sitting there and put us in the right place at the end of the day. It does. I mean, it's, Saying no to these projects are especially nice projects that we can do well, but uh, we just, uh, we got to say no. Yep. And what's crazy about it is, you know, the year kind of goes in some blocks as well. We haven't even come up on airport estimating time. So typically FAA bids start rolling out in April, April. May. Yeah. Right around there. Um, So we haven't seen airport season even come up yet. Um, The good thing with some of those airport jobs, the schedules tend to be they pushed usually. They pushed usually. It's yeah. either, you know, uh, mid to late fall type of work or it's early spring work the following year. And you'll be seeing us pursue some of those projects that we uh, see fitting us from a, a schedule standpoint and, and looking at them. And I think everyone out there knows, you know, airport work, much like landfill work and other things, we excel on that type of work. Yep, so we uh, we'll, we'll keep poking around at those. Um, further with that project selectivity, I just want to touch upon it. We don't just look at individual regions and their workload. We look at even work type in the workload. So utility work, I think there was a lot of, my guess is a lot of angst around the Bridgeton bid was because we've got quite a boatload of utility work at the end of the day. I'm sure. But uh, we are extremely selective and I'm going to say, Pat, probably, especially in some regions, 50% of the crossed off bids are utility projects that we're just not taking a look at. Right they now. are. And the engineers, are, they know it too. They're calling us right now and they're, they're actually adjusting their schedules on a lot of these projects. For instance, the one in Falmouth that's coming out, pretty big job. Yep. And they're, they're willing to push it until fall and even to 2023. Yeah. So they, they know the environment out there. This is what's happening. There's just not a lot of capacity with contractors out there right now. 
and they see it. So yeah. they're, uh, they're willing to be flexible. And there's a couple little markets out there that seem interesting that we've had some success and struggled in. You look at, uh, you mentioned Falmouth, but some of this pump station work that's out there and those type of things, uh, I've had engineers reaching out to me as well, asking if we were still doing that work. And my answer to them has been, yeah, we do it, but we're probably not going to be doing it for you this year because we just don't have the capacity and the enough of that skill level to go in there and do that type of work. Yeah. That was kind of fill in work for us for the most part. Yeah. Anyways, it was, you know, a million dollar pump station projects and those weren't what I call meat, yep. you know, they're, yep. they're, they're good projects that we can ebb and flow out of and set up typically with a small group of people to go and do it. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, going on from project selectivity, uh, again, we, we continue to look at that weekly, daily, um, very concerned about it. Uh, you know, I had a conversation with Herb and Tasha the other day and we were talking about our workload and my comment to Herb was, I am nervous about our workload. And frankly, I, I think if I wasn't nervous, I wouldn't be doing my job at the end of the day. And, uh, but behind the scenes, there's a lot of planning going on. Uh, we're getting things lined up in a lot of places. Um, talking to Justin Porter down in the mid Atlantic the other day, he made the comment, he had uh, talked to some other contractors and they said, uh, you know, we're screaming for hired trucks. We can't find any because you guys have them soaked all up. And he's got seven dozers uh, on rent. Well, not on rent, but sitting ready to go on rent with our names on them. So we're trying to get out ahead of even the equipment market, knowing there's going to be some shortages there and make sure that we've got things locked down uh, and that we're in a good position. So just a great job by Justin down there. A great job by all the guys in the regions of uh, just trying to look ahead and Tim Richards as well, making sure that we're, we're set up for a successful season. Um, so Pat, when we bid a job, we touched upon this earlier, kind of, how does that go? When do we know? Uh, do we immediately know? And why, so, why not? So there's really two types is there's, there's the, obviously there's public, uh, hard bid projects that, you know, almost immediately that you're going to do the project as well as the funding is available. Uh, and then there's private work, which is actually the most of our work right now has been private private work yeah. and private bidding. So um, repeat customers, uh, but it, that takes a lot longer. What hap- it usually comes into negotiations, meetings back and forth, plan revisions. So you, it takes a lot longer to get those projects to contract yeah. uh, than uh, does a hard bid project. So. so from that perspective, as we're crossing jobs off, we're also keeping in mind that you might have in any one area, and we, I think this was stood out really major to me in the mid-Atlantic era, just in the last year, especially with some of the projects they were bidding. You know, you could have 30 or $40 million out there easy enough and a handful of bids in a region without knowing if we're low bidder or not. Exactly, and it's pretty tough to do. You do have to put caveats in your proposals a lot of times that you, you have to negotiate the schedules, but uh, but sometimes they could come, come back to bite you a little yep. bit if you've got too much exposure out there. Yep, and one thing that I appreciate about you and your group, uh, you know, you're communicating with the owners and, and engineers through that entire process, and even though you don't know at the time, the conversations that we have helps align reality a little bit about whether we think something's going to truly come to reality, is it going to get pushed? Is it just not a real job after all? You know, we're, we're always talking about those things with what's hanging out there as well so that we can, uh, again, make sure that we don't overshoot our skis. Yeah, we try to involve the ops guys, uh, operations managers, uh, to get their input, obviously. Can you do this job? Can't you do this project? So uh, the more input, the better. Yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of what we're relying on. Yep, and we're going to look to increase that input. Uh, we're going to change up some of our meetings a little bit to, to increase the input from ops managers um, because I think it's uh, – it's going to take a lot of us to be uh, on top of our game and having some very honest conversations to make sure that we're doing the right things from a bid perspective going forward. So, um, so selecting uh, jobs, we've covered that. We've gone through kind of what happens afterwards, but I wanted to just ask you, Pat, um, you've been estimating for a long time. 
and uh, have always had your hands in it in some way, shape, or form. I'm sure even as an operations guy, you get involved in estimating. A bid comes in uh, to work on kind of what's your thought process and what's Pat's art of estimating? <laughs> well, it's funny you say art. I mean, it, it definitely is more of an art than it is a science. I mean, there's a lot of gut feel involved with it. But uh, if I was deciding whether we're going to bid or not, I mean, that's really uh, based on our backlog, our operations guys. Um, but uh, it does the project make sense? The type of work we're looking for, um, like you said, pipe work. We're just full up on pipe work right now. Doesn't make sense to do that. Yep. Uh, so these usually the heavy earthwork type projects. That's kind of where we're focusing right now. And even for the fall winter, uh, that that type of work is really where we're heading. Yep. So, yep. So when you get a set of plans, can you tell instantly how big a job is? Uh, not instantly, but I have a pretty good range. Yep. Yeah. I mean, don't, I think I just saw my name on the uh, calendar for 34 years. So, uh, I've been doing this a lot, seen a lot of set of plans. <laughs> I mean, a lot of plans over the years. So, um, in both mid Atlantic and New England. So yep. that's, uh, got a pretty good handle on, uh, gut feel stuff. And that's, that comes into play quite a bit, Eric. Yep. Uh, it's, it's gut feel. And I, I know I say that a lot to you, but, um, it, it comes into play and, just it helps. Yep. You know, yep. So. You know, you've been around the owners, you've been around the engineers, the type of work, all those type of things. Um, you do talk a lot about gut feel. We both do, frankly, yeah. and uh, uh, we rely the best we can on the information, the conversations that we have with people. But there is a certain amount of gut and art, as you said, that goes into it, um, because it's not an exact science. You get a set of plans and a set of specs, and generally you have two to three weeks to go through that, fully understand the job right. and, and put something together for a scheme and get it priced out and, and try to make sure that we're covered. And from there, I've always looked at it as, uh, and Colby Curry used to say this a lot, just get me to the dance floor. And that's really what uh, estimating is doing. You're getting us to the dance floor and getting us an opportunity. And yeah, Tim Folster always said that to me too as well. So, I mean, that was, that was the whole mindset back then was let's just get a chance to do it. Yep. And uh, let the operations guys you know, kick butt. I brought up Colby because I can't see Tim on a dance floor. So that was the other reason <laughs> I, I just can't imagine him Poor on a dance Tim. floor at all. But uh, if he's listening, I love you, Tim. Um, so the uh, the art of, uh, art of estimating from there, a um, lot of gut feel, a lot of historical knowledge goes into it. Um, talking to some uh, PXs, our new project executives the other day, um, Matt Chambers opened a meeting up that we had with a value. Um, and he talked a lot about having come in from the field and seeing what's going on behind the scenes more now. And his comment was he didn't realize all that happened behind the scenes and seeing that transition from estimating over to operations and then the buyout on projects and all those things that occur. It's a process the whole way through. And when you look at how many people touch that, how many processes it goes through, all the variability that can be in there, to me it's pretty amazing how much success we have with how many potential places for it to go wrong there are in that whole process yeah. and still to see it come to fruition with good jobs at the end of the year. No doubt. Yeah. So uh, just a compliment, to, and I mean that as a compliment to everybody, from the guys in estimating that uh, secure it and hand it to us. You know, Herb says quite often, uh, you guys hold the, the resources of the company right in your hands. Um I think you've heard me say, Pat, when we're bidding before, it's only 400 families, nothing to worry about. We, uh, <laughs> you always appreciate no it when I say yeah. that, but, uh, you know, that is how we look at it. We take it very seriously at the end of the day. And I think our results show it from how we performed in the field, but what the field was set up with as well. Last year, look across our jobs, and it wasn't that there was one big job that won all the margin in the company. We just 
perform very well across the board in many places. And that's a testament right from bid selection to estimating all the way to execution. So just a good job by everybody, your group included. Um, so that uh, wraps up our main topic. At this point, I'm going to let Herb jump in with a little bit of uh, history talk and uh, some information from his grandfather's uh, Herbert E. Sargent's journals. Thanks, Eric, Pat, uh, for letting me jump on here with a little history talk. Going back here to 1959 in Herb's journal, and then I'm also going to jump ahead to 1969 um, in early March. And uh, on, on the 2nd of March, 1959, he spent the day around the office, uh, ordered attachments for a new grade all, had some conferences with Mike, which would be Mike Greaves, Ralph Leonard, and Dick. Dick Mills was the bookkeeper at that time. Went over things on his desk and threw away a lot of outdated stuff. I've done that a few times. In the evening, he went to a city council meeting. He was the uh, city of Old Town's first, uh, first council chairman. Uh, next day, he spent some time over at the, uh, at the dentist, he was having some tooth work done, uh, a lot of toothaches over the next few days, he mentions. March 7th, there was a Saturday, he spent most of the morning around the office, went down to, to visit Ken DeWitt, which was his partner in Central Maine Flying Service, uh, the DeWitt Field in Old Town. The airport is named after Ken DeWitt, who's a lifelong friend of, of my, my granddad's. A lot of a uh, lot of time he spent. It looks like uh, this week at the dentist, but uh, he says uh, Jim is still working his job and and just north of Augusta, so that'd be my dad. Uh, and uh, clearing about done, stumping and drilling still going on. Limited amount of culvert work, so still pretty aggressive types of work for March of uh, of the year. Looking ahead to March first, nineteen sixty nine. He says, Jim and I at the office, Mike with us part of the time. Ralph is still out. I guess they just had a major blizzard. So Ralph was still out on snowplow activities. He says that he and his wife, Amber, went to Bradford to visit on a dozer. However, she started to get sick, so they had to turn around. They literally were going from Stillwater to Bradford, which is, I'm going to say, 15-mile trip on a bulldozer. That's how bad the roads were. Main road heavily blocked, all back roads blocked, he says. Monday, he went to went to Portland with Jim, uh, called on Walt Parody at Palermo, and uh, started going over our affirmative action plan. Uh, went over programs with Dick Martin for the Thompson Point job in Portland, lunch with Jim and Dick at South Portland. By this time, it's snowing real hard again, he says. So they had a, a trip planned out to Chicago to the road show, they called it. And he's questioning whether that would be a bother. He went bowling that evening and his shoulder was quite lame, he says, from my fall last week on the ice. So at this point in time, he's about 63 years old and apparently took a tumble. Spent a lot of time working around the office that week uh, and spent some time also with uh, with Ralph and Jim, Ralph Leonard, and again, Jim, my dad, to go over uh, things to, you know, just business planning. Uh, went to Bangor to talk with an investment man. Then we went into the investment of profit sharing monies. Uh, so back in 1969, uh, they had instituted a profit sharing plan as well. 
spent the evening with his daughters and and uh, that was about the end of it but uh, 10 years separated those two accounts you know he was 10 years away from a bad toothache apparently but literally had to take a bulldozer uh, to visit uh, one of his family members about 10 15 miles away and that's something we don't see right now anymore nobody has to take a bulldozer to work interesting stuff so eric i'm going to leave it at that and you and pat have fun with prices right and shout outs all right thanks for that herb uh, greatly appreciated and uh, i hope everybody really does enjoy some of the history of the company um, I think it's important to tell our story where we've been. And, uh, to me, history is something that should never be forgotten. And, uh, a big thing about the history of this company to me is how this company has always just overcome challenges and, and looked at different things and tried different things. And, uh, quite frankly, I'm a proud to be a part of that and proud that we're continuing the tradition on when it comes right down to it. And Pat, you've been a part of that for 34 years now, you said? I have. Yeah. Just saw you on Facebook. Thanks. You popped up on there. So. Bruce Hubbard loves you too, buddy. Does so, he really? Yeah, he does. You mentioned oh, that. He's a great guy. So we're going to move on to shout-outs at this point. Uh, Pat, why don't you kick us off? So Derek Trueworthy, big shout-out to company truck drivers and hired trucks. Those are guys, foremen and roller guys, working seven days a week, crazy hours, 12 to 14 days, hour days starting at 1230 in the morning to work around warm days and posted roads. All doing a great job when it needs to be done. Great guys. Uh, girls guys and girls on the 395 job those guys are really kicking butt yeah they've guys, been doing a great job yeah getting that sand in and uh i drove uh, out through there last weekend just to see that whole corridor clean uh, cleared out through there now and to see impressive. the sand getting out through there man it looks it looks awesome very impressive and, yeah. and a great job by uh appreciate the shout out derek great job by everybody by scott and everyone uh we've been dealing with mother nature over there tremendously as well as some other issues with hall roads um, but working around the clock to try and beat posted roads, those type of things. And, uh, we're making some contingency plans too, to make sure we can get the material we need and get it in there in the time frame we need. Uh, next shout out, I'll, I'll grab a couple here. Justin Embry, uh, down in Virginia had a couple. He'd like to give an overdue shout out to John Rogerson in the parts department. Uh, Justin called him a few weeks ago and asked him if he could come get some hard hats and vests together to be sent down to the mid Atlantic region. And John really came through. I had just given out the last hard hat and what do you know? Shipment arrives. Thank you, John. Uh, Justin also had a shout out to Josh Lauk and his wife, Shelby, on the birth of a beautiful baby girl, Riley Ann Lauk, on February 17th, 7.8 pounds, a healthy baby. Congratulations to Josh and his wife, Shelby, as well as 17.8 pounds. Seven, did I say 17.8? That'd be an awful big oh, baby. 7.8 pounds, okay. 7.8 oh. pounds. Uh, and also Josh's father, Dale Lauk, is a superintendent for us down in the Mid-Atlantic. So congratulations to Dale on being a granddad. Grandpa. Nice. Uh, Justin Porter is shouting out to Justin Embry, the Justin to Justin shout outs. Yeah. Okay. That's a little confusing. Here, but <laughs> okay. He's been spending a significant amount of time working on safety plans for a couple of our projects. He's been immersed in interviewing, hiring, onboarding. Great effort on both fronts. Thank you, Justin Embry. Yeah. Uh, and then Justin Porter has another one for the Travis Ritke, Aaron Tidd, and Nick Roswell and Scott Bartlett. Landed quite a few new projects. These guys are all hands on deck, helping each other in any way they can uh, to get this proc started for our employee owners. Yeah. Great job down there. That's a, a great bunch to uh, be kicking the jobs off and uh, to uh, touch on uh, his shout out to Justin Emery. We've got a couple projects with some pretty strict uh, safety requirements. Our Microsoft, Microsoft project, yeah. uh, Justin's been tying a lot of time up there, uh, which is all good. And I think we're going to learn some good things there by observing what others do as well. 
um, in interviewing, hiring, and onboarding. He's been able to hire some people and getting people through the door. Um, we actually hired a dozer operator named Maverick. So if he's listening, um, I was pretty into that when I saw it. And uh, I had several Top Gun references, but I'm going to keep those to myself. First name or last name? First name. Okay. First name, yeah. Right, yeah, it's pretty cool. So uh, Justin Porter had a third shout-out. He wanted to give a shout-out to Janet Palermo, who was always seeking input on what type of reports are helpful for operations to use in evaluating our projects. Thank you for your continued efforts to make our systems more efficient. And Janet is always looking to improve and frankly does it with a smile on her face. Uh, she's a huge addition to our team and we're certainly glad to have her. All right. Uh, next one's from Chris Plord. Uh, it looks like just a global shout out to the Sargent family and hope winter is going good for everyone. Thank you, Chris. And I'll grab the last two. Dan McCall down in uh, New Hampshire wants to get a shout out for Ryan Kennedy and Aaron Day. Ryan and Aaron have been working hard to keep the crushing operation at Rochester in working order. Their efforts do not go unnoticed. So thank you, Ryan and Aaron. I don't know if there's much tougher than wintertime crushing. Um, it's, it's not a fun place to be. Uh, things freeze up, things break. It's, it's very challenging, and I know they've worked their way through it down there, so good job, guys. Uh, our last shout-out comes from my buddy, RJ Russell. Just want to say thank you for the podcast. You always learn. And he ends it, of course, in RJ style with We Rock. And we certainly do, buddy. Hope we didn't let you down there. Yeah. So thank you all for the shout-outs. Well-deserved. Um, hope to see more. Certainly encourage people to get more in. Uh, now on to The Price is Right. I'm going to let that music run for a while, Pat, because I know you like it, buddy. Oh, I'm dancing over here. <laughs> right, so our Price is Right this week is the price, <clears throat> sorry, our price is right, is the miles and gallons on a D6XE with 1,258 1, hours on it. Uh, so on the mileage side, uh, our guesses range from 543 miles up to 15,000 miles. That was Derek True, and all points in between, really. Um, Scott McDonald was at 1,258 miles. Uh, he was close. Not real close, but closer than most. Ben Watson at 2345, just a little bit above. And our winner, well, the actual miles is 2,175 miles on a D6XE with 1,258 hours. And the winner is Dave Sinclair, who guessed 2,092 hours. Way to go, Pockets. Yeah, there you go. Good job, Dave. And uh, there's a guy who's probably sent, spent quite a, a amount of time in a dozer seat. I would guess that would be a man right there who spent a lot of time in a dozer seat. No so uh, thank you very much, Dave. I'd like to know how many miles you've logged. Um, gallons of gas. The uh, D6XE with 1,258 hours. The gallons range from a low guess of 4,321 from Tim LePage up to Derek Trueworthy at 12,546 which is uh, pretty close to double um, of what the actual gallons are. So the actual gallons used on the D6XE with 1,258 hours is 6,031. And our low bidder this week is Randy King. 5,821 was his guest, so pretty darn close. Congratulations, Randy. You all will be receiving a gift certificate to, I believe, either Amazon or the company store. Um, so, again, thank you. Our Prices right next week will be what is the cost of a set of tires for a 35-ton articulated haul truck? So again, prices right next week, what is the cost of a set of tires for a 35-ton articulated haul truck? And with that said, 
It's a pretty short podcast this week. Pretty proud of us, Pat. We actually wrapped this one up in uh, pretty good work and order. So good job. Appreciate you coming on. No problem, Eric. Appreciate Herb letting us do this. Thank you, Jason, again. And uh, no announcements this week. So on our way out, I would just ask you, who are you mentoring? Remind you all, with a lot going on in the world right now, kindness doesn't cost a thing. So be good to each other. And also, zero accidents. Have a safe, healthy, and happy week, everyone.